ready? All right, we're good. We're going. We are going. So, okay. um, so I was so I was I was at work today, and somebody, some guy who looked like Vincent D'Onofrio, he um made fun of this guy who looked oddly like Sylvester Stallone, and really? like he, he made Sylvester fun of his veteran status. Uh, would you let me finish? Um, he made fun of his veteran status, and then, um, the Sylvester Stallone-looking guy went ahead and pretty much started murdering all the white supremacists in the in the entire building. It was really strange. Sounds like nope. it. Nobody, nobody wins. Anyway, Maestro Movie Podcast. Um, so... Some stuff happened this week. Some stuff happened oh, this week. Oh, first of all, let's... Let's give a proper entry to that intro, Chris. Okay. What are we starting now? We're starting a new series. And I am so hey. happy I got a win. I was, I'm still happy I got a win. We got Rambo. We're starting Rambo. Mostly don't know. Oh, man. You're in, you're in, you're, <laughs> oh, man. You're in for it, man. You're in for something. I don't know what, how you're going to react to the next three. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, I'm so happy. Hey, hey guys, guess what? What? Dora we're gonna watch the three Rambo movies. Absolutely, we're gonna watch Rambo. No, Dora the Explorer's a movie, dude. Oh and my god, yeah. That. Let's just. So we're. Let's hold on a second. We're. <laughs> this is probably gonna be a shorter episode than normal because, like, two of us have to go like really soon. So Dora got a trailer. <laughs> We can, we, can hit pause. we can hit pause and I can come back, but, like, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Dora got a trailer. Did you guys see this? Yes, I did. I did see this. Also, um, Danny I, Trejo plays the monkey. We don't know that. We don't know that yet. Yes, we do. Okay, yes, no, we no, do. no, 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 Zach, we have not heard Danny Trejo's voice as freaking boots. Yes, but he literally said he plays the monkey. Yes. That's what I'm getting at. We know he plays the monkey. They have not advertised him as the monkey. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> having seen the trailer, uh, I let me, let me put it this way. I didn't grow up on Dora the Explorer or anything. I did spend some time with a kid who was a huge fan, and um, I haven't spent time with her recently to see what her critical eye would be on this trailer. But uh, it doesn't look stupid. It looks really stupid. This okay. is produced by Michael Bay's uh, production company. Yeah, but it's not like he's making it. It's kind of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, the first, when it comes to those movies, as stupid and as weird as they are, I always stand by the idea that at least the turtles are right. Like, for their four kids, they're cool, they're like, whatever. It's just, they, they made those turtles for the right audience. And I think that that's, like, geared in this direction as well. I think they have it. A little bit better this do, time. Do you remember back when this movie was the first announced and people were like, there was like a huge like scare that Michael Bay himself was actually going to direct this and I was all on board for it. This is scary, nonetheless. <laughs> it was, it was were, definitely like a scare. It was a legitimate fear people had that I had. Although there, like everyone like deep down was wondering what would that look like? But also, we knew that he wasn't the person to be making movies for kids. And, nope. uh, yeah, they, they understood that right. And he it seems like they've got a good uh, deal going. So All right. 
So, so to to kind of speed through this a little bit, uh, Shazam reviews are out, Shazam. and it's good. <laughs> Shazam. Uh, I've heard good. To, I've heard good to meddling. I haven't heard great, uh, which is yeah, fine. I mean, it just perfect. I want. I want it to just be solid. I don't need it to be anything well, big. I just from, want it to be. Yeah, let me. Hold on, let me finish. I want it to be. I just want it to be a movie where Zachary Levi is good, and it doesn't. Um, it doesn't try my patience or insult my intelligence. It's all I want: a solid movie where Zachary Levi is good, and those elements are there. Like that, that's it. Wonder Woman is exactly that. The lead is good, and the movie's not so dumb that I feel like I'm watching something stupid. But it's also fun enough and not boring, like Batman vs Superman to a certain so... extent. So. The reviews that I've read about it have compared it a lot in quality-wise to Wonder Woman. So it's, from what the critics are saying, it's about the same quality as Wonder Woman. Okay, that's fine. I, I So... I, I'm excited for that. It's great in DC standards, because the bar's still low. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Um, I saw some really fun, uh, like, clips the other day of, like, He's fighting his villain, and he's in his store, and he throws a Batman, and he's like, save me, Batman! And Batman's like, I am Batman. And it was really fun. <laughs> I did see that I, clip. I, mean, I am excited for it. It does look funny, and it's not like I need, like, a huge critical eye or anything. I, I don't need to be, like, I don't need to necessarily say something. What I want it, if, if I wanted to say anything, I want it to slyly, without, like, a bitter tongue, say that... Move, like DC movies that take themselves too seriously or superhero movies that take themselves too seriously are missing the point of the action. And yes. a lot of that has to do with, from what I understand, the villain not really being like a huge end-of-the-world kind of villain. He's just a villain that want, that shows up when Shazam does and kind of like just wants to fight him. And then Shazam doesn't really know what to do, as far as I know about yeah. it. But the whole point is it's not like a huge stakes movie. It's just a, guy, a, a kid getting the opportunity to prove himself and going from there, which is great. Like, I want it to be good. I'm not surprised that the more tougher critics are saying, like, C or something like that. Because like, they are the same people who said Wonder Woman was a C. But that's not, like, that's not the reasons why I like it. I do agree with some of the reasons why Wonder Woman is bad with them. But it doesn't take away what I think the best elements can do and uh, how entertaining that movie can be. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's since I just saw Captain Marvel. Hey! What'd you so, think? So, so hold on, hold on, Chris. Oh, to, come to on. Segue, to segue that way over, uh, Disney has now collected the fifth Infinity Stone now. Excuse what me? What company did that uh, they bought Fox, and it is official oh, yeah. now. The deal has been finalized. Oh, yeah. The talk, monopoly has been formed. Uh, it's not yeah. the monopoly yet. They have the fifth Infinity Stone. They don't. They still need to get the Mind Stone. Are you telling uh, me Sony has a brain? The Six Hundred Club. <laughs> they they still need to get the the, the sixth Infinity Infinity Stone. So we. No, the Mind Stone would be um trauma. Uh, no, that would be Netflix. Well, they got James Gunn already, so why not? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Disney is is closer and closer to snapping half the universe away. <laughs> Welcome to the... They already the snapped show. away, um, Fox 2000. Yeah. Um, the, the more irony of this is that now, uh, Disney officially owns four of the most, like, 
iconic horror franchises of all time now, which I think is really funny. And X-Men and um, Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, and then there's that thing, too. Uh, yeah, we've, we've already covered this. I mean, yeah. yeah, they finalized it and everything, but we've, yeah, we've known this for a bit. Yeah. Uh, um, two other big things have happened, though. Uh, one is in my, my wheelhouse of love, and one is in Chris's wheelhouse of love. Oh, dear God. So, so Chris, what do you want to hear first? Uh, just go, the- go, go, go ahead with yours. Okay. Uh, the View Askins versus next movie has officially wrapped, and there's a big Stanley uh, honoring in it. Again, it's View Askew Averse. Whatever. Kevin Smith's movie universe. <laughs> Say- <laughs> Anyways. <Whatever. laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think Kevin Smith is better at comedy than he is at horror comedy or just yep. straight horror, um, especially when his intentions aren't necessarily pure or he's not really focused on the best element. But uh, I would say that I'm interested to see what's going on. I've kept my eye away from it. I really just kind of want to see what the trailer pulls up and then yep. go there bit by bit. I don't really, I mean, I'm sure I'll find out what the story is from like some point here soon, but um, I, I, stuff like this is things that I enjoy, but I don't like to keep my eye on too much. Yep. I want just, to just kind of pop up and be like, oh yeah, kind of like when Dumb and Dumber 2 was getting talked yeah. about. I was like, ooh, yeah, like I'm just going to keep my nose away from the grindstone and wait, and then it came out, and I was like yep. less, I was less butthurt about it than a lot of other people were. I um. I, I've been keeping my eye kind of half on it. I, I, I've been, whenever Kevin Smith posts something on Twitter or, you know, he, uh, he like, kind of gives slight updates, which are kind of very cryptic updates nonetheless. The only thing I know is because I got an update saying that they wrap production and that he was going to do a mall rats call out uh, in a skew similar to how uh, Stanley called him out in Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, he got lucky that that got to be in the same production schedule, but, um, yeah, I, uh, with it, is it like a conclusive thing? Does he intend on making other movies with it? Like, um, what is I don't do? know. I don't know, but, uh, much like any of his movies, any of them could, could be the last one and it's not going to affect much. He always seems to end those movies in the right way where you could live or live with or without them more. With or without them. Uh, now for for Chris's thing. Uh, you, you okay? Yeah. Okay. What? Okay. What do you have for me? Uh, the Avengers Endgame runtime has been announced. Three hours and two minutes. Three hours and two minutes. I'm gonna get a bladder infection. I swear to God. <laughs> Three hours and two minutes, man. I have a hard time during, like, two-hour movies. You okay there, Alex? Yeah, I'm right here. He's right there. It's just... Yeah, I'm I'm going on mute every now and then. Okay. Yep. Empty your bladders and your bowels, okay? Don't don't buy that extra-large drink. Don't. Eat before you go. Eat light. Yeah, and make sure you go to the bathroom beforehand. No fiber. Sorry, what was that last part? Uh, Avengers is going to be three hours long. 
And he's gone. Um, yeah. Empty your intestines. Uh, eat light. Drink light. Uh, not yeah. too light. You'll get dehydrated, and that's not good. Um, it is uh, officially the longest Marvel movie by a half hour now. God. It's got a lot I mean, of ground to cover. So. Guys, this was, I don't know why people are getting freaked out about this. I'm not freaked out. I'm excited. I'm not freaked out, man. Like, this is our Return of the King. I'm... I'm game for this stuff. This is like the return of the king of this franchise. It's gonna get shit done. <laughs> I mean, people were saying the same thing about Return of the King, but like, when when you see that it's two movies and it's like gonna be four hours plus, it's like, I mean, guys, it's it's meant to be watched as a big, huge, long epic. This was the way it was in the 60s and stuff like that. That's just the way it is. But like, when people freak out about it, I'm just like, no, no, it's... It, it's a two. It's a two-part movie. It's yeah. already long. It's already four hours. Whatever. Like so, just get over yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. It's the total wrong time between both movies is gonna be five hours and forty-nine minutes. I think. <laughs> that sounds about right. Two mm-hmm. year three-hour movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the total runtime will be almost six hours between. Infinity War and Endgame, which is in line with much many of the classic epics of days like Spartacus and Ben-Hur and Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Yeah. Um... It also does officially get the classification of an epic film. So it is the also the first superhero action-adventure epic film of all time. I would disagree with that. Um, yeah, no, yeah, epic, hard epic disagree films. there. Well, I mean, well, Avengers is an epic movie, and well, we're not just talking that. about length; it's about like scale. But like, this is yeah. a, this is appropriating the length of like the the '50s and '60s idea of what an epic movie is. But like, yeah. no, like Justice League, Batman vs Superman, if anything, is an epic movie. Like Man of Steel, I mean, to a certain I mean, extent, is an epic movie. Yeah, I mean, epic movie as a classification is a runtime classification, not a. Uh, not so in terms of runtime, like it's an epic. Past. What? What about like Days of Future Past? I, I mean, Days of Future Past isn't three hours long. Sure but is it an epic? It's the it's the culmination of two different trilogies of films. Like, yeah, it's got the old so. thing, have to, characters. Its its scale is amazing and, and immense. The character stuff is pretty good, and everything culminates to a pretty pretty cathartic ending where they could have ended everything on and then just kind of had a little bit more with logan and apocalypse and all that but like yeah i mean epic 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 traditionally as a classification comes from uh mainly you know the um the content of an epic movie is often set during a time of war other social crises usually covering longer span of time sometimes throughout Entire generations coming and passing away in turn to both events depicted and the runtime of the film, which is perfectly describing what Endgame is. That's I that's, mean, I, those, that's those the official are, those, classification. I no, 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 it's not. Like if you can find me a link that says that, sure. But at the end of the day, I, I disagree. I mean, those are all qualifications for famous ones. Yeah, sure, like some of the best. But it's changed over the years. Like you, you can't look at me and say that there will be blood is not an epic movie. Not just its length, but in like its imagery. Like that that movie is amazing to look at. You can't look at me and say like Enter the Void is not an epic movie on some scale. Like the visuals in that movie are insane. 
there there are epic movies that don't necessarily have to be long or have to be about war or have to be what or religious to a certain extent. There are a lot of things I can classify it as an epic, but usually it's like scale, length, and content. That that's pretty much how it works. Like that when someone looks at me and says like "Sorry to bother you" is an epic movie. To a certain extent, on an indie scale, absolutely. But then I would argue like. Mm, Schenectady, uh, New York is an epic movie. Not just in its life, but in, in its scale, its scope, its content, everything about it. But, like, it, it's not just has to be about war and stuff like that, or its length has to be big. It, it could, An epic movie has to earn that word epic on whatever terms it, it presents you. And I honestly think that you could say that about Days of Future Past. I think you could say that about Batman vs. Superman, regardless of the fact that I don't really like that movie. Or even Justice League, but like certainly the first Avengers, and certainly these two movies together as Avengers films as well. Look at the box office. I mean, yeah, I, I was gonna say, as far as box office is concerned, strictly speaking, Infinity War is an epic film. Simply the fact that it made two billion dollars. <laughs> Easily. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't even thinking about box office. I was just thinking about the films themselves. But I I. I I don't think that this is the first, like, epic superhero movie of all time. I think that's a little, a little too much. Even so, I mean, if you want to consider Endgame and Infinity War as just Infinity War Part One, Infinity War Part Two, as they they were intended initially attended, and you just want to call Avengers Infinity War, you know, the combination of both movies, then sure, both in combination together are an epic movie, both in scale, length. In every aspect you could think of what an epic movie would be. I think they work very well separately as well as they do... Um, together. Together, yeah. They're what The Hobbit should have been. Yeah. Hobbit so, should have just been two movies. Okay. Yeah. So, Avengers Endgame, one month away. Get ready. Catch up, if you haven't. All right. Hold on. Before we go any further, Alex, I have to know. You just said you saw Captain Marvel. Is that correct? I did. Did you... When you saw it, did you understand anything that I said when I told you about it? I, I did understand it, and I have heard other people say it, but to be honest, I... I, I every time I see something online... Even, I, I watch Red Letter Media's bit about it, too. Like, anyone talking about Brie Larson's performance and how it relates to a certain personality trait or her, like, lacking or feeling kind of distant, a lot of it has been related to the interviews and stuff that she's been doing and how people are kind of not responding to her, uh, the way that she approaches certain things, like the kind of like, uh, there's certain two certain clips specifically. And I kind of felt like Red Letter Media was sort of like, I, I thought it was cheap, to be honest. Honestly. I don't think you should bring that into the film because like years down the line, no one's really going to be looking at that content. They're going to be looking at the movie. And I thought her performance was fine. Do I think that the movie's structure and its pace and its editing is all wrong, and not just like scene for scene. I mean, like the order of the narrative is wrong. We should have seen her life before she uh, got near that explosive device, and you know, got her mind warped by the uh, whoever. Like we, we should have seen what her life on Earth was like before that stuff happened. We should have known the kind of person that she was before she turned, not the other way around. Because when she still kind of acts like that person with the aliens, she does seem kind of like a jerk and a, and someone you don't really want to get to know and someone that just doesn't really you, you kind of dislike a bit. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't know her. 
if we knew the human stuff, if we knew like throughout her life that men talked to her a certain way, that she was always getting up from stuff, that she was a pilot, that she had a mentor, it would make it so much more interesting when Annette Benning shows up in her mind later. Like she would wake up and see Annette Benning and she'd be like, Who's who are you? And we would know that there was something wrong with her. Like that that's that's the way you tell the story. The entire narrative structure of the film is wrong and it ruins the way we view the character. And if it didn't, then it, it, I think people would see her performance a bit better. Honestly. So what did you think of the movie as a whole, personally? What's your review? I think it's fine. Um, it's a good time. I, th- I believe in the pattern between Brie Larson and Sam Jackson. I, I like Larson, I, I like the uh, the best friend and the kid. I didn't think that the kid was too cheesy, and I thought the best friend carried the emotional elements that she had pretty well. I thought that actress was really good. But again, that that moment would have way more impact if we'd have seen what kind of lives they had before she turned. So, like, I'm I'm watching this movie and I'm getting it, but by the end of it, I was like, that was told wrong. Like, I I and none of, none of it kind of stuck. So now that I'm like, when I get a chance to watch the movie a second time. I'm going to try and be less dissective of it and just sort of know that what I'm watching is sort of a movie out of order, kind of like if I'd have watched it halfway at a certain point and then paused it and then came back and other people were watching the movie from the beginning and then I just sort of stepped in again. Like, as long as I know where all the parts are supposed to be, I'm fine watching it again and enjoying the other elements. But first time around, it it doesn't hit the way it should because the, the character is presented improperly. And also, I mean, you can make some notes about certain moments and how she acts him and like but a lot of that would make more sense again if we didn't immediately kind of if she didn't immediately rub us the wrong way when we see her because we find out later that none of her co-workers actually really liked her like one of the girls she's like why didn't you hang out with me she's like i just didn't like you and it's like well that that's the perception that all her co-workers have of her when they're around her and that's the perception the audience feels when they're watching her and it's it's bad it's a bad call what'd you think of the kitty cat uh, I liked it. Uh, hold on one second. I've got to mute for just one second. Stand by. We're, he is uh, doing his due diligence. Um, the kitty cat. It was fantastic. Yeah, it it was the it was the Groot of the movie. The kitty. It's a goose. It's a goose. Yeah. It's, it's a goose. Mother okay, flurkin. Um, what? Mother flirting. Did you hear? Did you did you remember that? Oh yeah, Sam Jackson said that. I gotcha. Um, so uh, I I really did like the cat. I thought the cat was pretty cute. Um, but I honestly liked uh, the alien guy more. Like he was the alien guy and the best friend were like really good performances in a movie that I felt just wasn't hitting me right. And I knew that the like performances were earned. Meanwhile, this, that like narratively they didn't. So it was pretty interesting to me to watch um, to watch like this alien take the turn that he does, and seeing because I've loved that actor for a long time ever since Place Beyond the Pines, and I, I don't know much about the best friend and where she's from, but they both just like had these great moments that I kind of just forgot that that cat was supposed to be something fun and silly. And then, yeah, it shows up later, and it, like, it is a monster, and it does some, like, fun stuff and tentacle stuff. It, it's basically Groot. Yeah. Like, in the right. action scenes. I, I made that comparison. Um, so, before so, we probably so have to pause like ben here. Mendelsohn, that's not a surprise. 
Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I mean, I was already going and hoping that Ben Mendelsohn was going to do something more than what they had him do in Rogue One. But um, I, I was really happy with the turn they had, the story had the character do, and how he performed it. I, I thought he handled the, uh, all the different ranges of what he had to do very well. Uh, I thought Sam Jackson was a lot of fun. They, like, him and Brie Larson genuinely seemed like they have a good time together. I thought Jude Law just kind of understood that he... I thought he understood his part well. He didn't do too much. He did just enough so that by the end, you properly just kind of dislike him the way that you should. It, it all works out pretty well, I think, performance-wise. And I think Brie Larson's good. I just think they present her character improperly, so we don't get the best. We, we don't get the best view of who she is. We're, we're surrounded by people that don't like her. We don't like her because she has this kind of cocky attitude. We don't understand why she had to earn that and why she had to create this sort of cocky mentality, this top gun mentality, because she's a woman, she can't fly. She's always falling down and men are telling her to like not do things in the first place and you shouldn't get up and you should go home. And like, she's trying to earn this and to earn it, part of it, she has to wilt away and kind of become this harder person. this like kind of like fly boy. And then when she finally gets the opportunity to start testing pilot uh, flights with this really interesting doctor, who's kind of weird and has a cool cat, we could see her earn that respect. Because when she's actually in the ship with her and she's like, I'll take the moment to be the hero for you, and it doesn't feel earned. That's the biggest moment of the movie. That's where you find out who the mentor was, what she meant to her, and what they did, and how she became who she was. But that moment doesn't feel like the heroic moment that it should, because we did not watch their relationship bloom. We watched her figure out that she had a relationship that bloomed at some point, and now she's just kind of feeling it now. But as a movie, you understand... You're being told this stuff. You're being shown it as a story, and it feels wrong because it's being told out of order. Yeah. So, two, um, two quick. Hold on, Zach. Two quick questions from me before we probably have to pause here. Um, do you soon, th- yeah. since in, since Endgame was shot before Captain Marvel, do you think the Russo brothers will present a more a better introduction to her character? And second, do you think she's the Thanos killer? Um, I think that she's taking the position of what um, that of what Warlock is supposed to take, Adam Warlock in the comics. I think that's the part that she's supposed to be taking over from the comics. But and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it because I, if I think what they're going to do with the comics, like despite the time travel stuff they've already presented in, in every bit of the evidence so far in the marketing. Which we can't uh, I trust. Think another, they haven't talked about what Thanos is doing, and I have an idea of what I think he's doing and what I think is going on in his head and how she might fit into that, not necessarily just as being the killer, but maybe like an, a formidable foe. That doesn't necessarily mean that she'll win, just like the same way Adam Warlock had to approach it differently in the comics. But uh, I also think that um, we already know who her character is. We know who she is now. We know what kind of person she is. Um... So all they have to do is just present that person properly and then take advantage of what makes Brie Larson an interesting character actor in other films because she can fit in the mold of all of these other people and she can put, she has great timing. She is really good, but they have to harness what makes her good in the time that they have to have her in the like big giant narrative that they're trying to tell. And I, whether she's in the story a lot or a little, is going to determine that, but we know what kind of person she is. Like the more you watch Captain Marvel, the more you, I think, people will like get used to and enjoy her character. But ultimately, if you just watch Captain Marvel and then go straight into 
that film, if she's still not presented well or she just doesn't have enough time to shine, then there's, it's not going to be as effective. But they put, they put her in front of Infinity War for a reason. She's got to have some element to it that works. She's got to be doing something important. Um, yeah, So I, and the Russo brothers are very good at, at highlighting what makes certain actors work. Like Community is a prime example of that. Arrested Development is a prime example of that. They know how to write for actors, and they know how to fill them within uh, big ensemble narratives. So I, I trust that they'll know what to do with her the same way that they handled the Guardians crew pretty well. And, I, yeah, I, I don't think the movie's bad. I just think it's told improperly. So, Alex, before we move on to the important thing, there's a, uh, a, a, a TV series that you and I were talking about earlier this week. And uh, I want to I mention this this series because it's awesome. Uh, sure, go ahead. Oh, yeah, the robot one. Yeah, love, love death, death and robot. robots. Okay, I'm, I've been seeing advertising about this everywhere. Chris, you should watch it. It's it's great, but it's very 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 dark. <laughs> I've heard I've heard some very interesting stuff about it too. A lot of people have said some very good things. Um. If you're prepared, I'm waiting to, wa- to watch it with my dad because I think my dad would like it. If you're prepared it, but... for a very, oh, a, a lot of stuff to be very bleak and very dark, but you're prepared for it to be a really fun ride, and I mean a really fun ride, you will. I it has become probably my favorite Netflix series on Netflix right now. It just, yeah, it sounds like it's bleak, dark, uh, animated sci-fi. Yeah, and it. I had a friend of mine who's not into sci-fi at all. She's a big. She's big on fantasy and you know folklore and mythology more than that. And I, I just said, you know, you just got to sit down and watch the first episode. You don't, you don't need to watch anything else past that. Just watch the first episode. She watched that first episode and she was hooked. And she just like texts me two days later and she's like, oh my god, I love that series. These are like the few episodes that were like fantastic and i just loved and everything no matter how good or bad they were had an interesting idea in them uh there's a couple episodes that like didn't really do anything but they were just super fun and then um there are other episodes that are that just end so bleak but they're so cool to watch um there's a whole episode about yogurt that takes over the world it's really funny (laughs) There's an alternate history episode about how World War II could be averted because Hitler dies as a child. It's, like, really funny and dark, and it's really funny. It does. It sounds really good. Uh, The first episode, like I told you, Alex, really dark, really straightforward, really pushes, really gives you a good sense of what this series is all about. Uh, Sonny's Edge is one of the coolest short films I've ever seen. The other really... There's two other really fun short uh, episodes I really liked a lot. Uh, 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 Two Aquila Rift is really fun. Very weird aliens sort of vibe, but really different. Uh, really plays off weird things. And then um, I believe it's called Cold War, which is the, uh, the, the season finale. is really cool and really dark and really sets up a really cool universe that I think they could do more with. And it is really interesting. 
Yeah, I'm for it. I'm uh, waiting to watch it with my dad because I think he'd be into it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. But, uh, this just sort of like came up, and Zach's the first one to put it on my radar. But this, yeah, this seemed to come out of nowhere for Netflix. Yeah, no one saw this one coming. It just kind of came on. A lot of people picked it up because of the, the the commercials that they were playing, like Madhouse on YouTube and on on Facebook and everything. And it it really earned every ounce of support that Netflix is giving it. I mean, this show is. All right, I'm on the phone with my dad. Okay, so we're gonna take a pause here. Um... Let uh, Alex do his thing. Um, Zach, I understand you probably have to get going because um, you have yeah, worky yeah, sorry work. Yeah, about that. I'm gonna get, uh, I, I, I do have to get going for a little bit, but we'll be right back. Sure. Yeah, we will be right back. Um, Zach, is there anything else you want to say before we hit the pause button? Uh, no. Go see Love Death Robots, everyone. It's really cool, really sweet show. You'll love it. <laughs> okay. Taking a hard pause. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Oh, so we weren't re- we weren't recording? No, we were not recording. Now we are. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. Then I get I get um I get where you're coming from. I really do because Pattinson doesn't have a lot under his belt. He has done I'm something. We didn't bring it up. We weren't recording right. that whole time. I didn't record no, our I, conversation with uh, Zach. That's cool. Um, I all I'm saying is like I get where you're coming from. Like the most prominent thing people know him for, he didn't really try that hard in, and. Like to see him show up in a Nolan movie, like would he be good? Or is he just a big like British star? But no, I'm, I think he can act. I think he can act. Um, if you're wondering why Alex is talking about Robert Pattinson, is because me and Zach, uh, between Brit in, in the break, <laughs> we're talking about Robert Pattinson. Anyway, okay, we're back. I'm outside his house. That's why I went on hold. I had to fly yeah. to London and go to his house, and I'm on his lawn right now. And um. I've got a cardboard cutout of him, and we're just we're just kind of chilling. Alex, the robless stalker. We're just we're just chilling. the robless stalker. No, I have like I mean I don't have a robe with me, so that makes me the robless stalker. But like I don't need a robe for what I'm gonna do to Robert when I find him. <laughs> I hope nobody finds this. Um... No, no. Apparently, Zach and Chris talked about uh, the upcoming Nolan movie and Pattinson's part in it. And I was telling Chris to go see Good Time because Good Time's really good. Okay, so with news and um, Avengers talk out of the way, first blood. Yeah, Yeah. the start of the Rampage series. Yes, one of four. Oh my god! So. Full disclosure, I kind of cheated, so I haven't, I didn't watch the movie all week, but I've watched it so many times, I almost remember it shot for shot. So you didn't watch it this week because you wanted to rely on your memory? No, that was a complete accident. That was a complete accident. I'm like, oh snap, we got to record. We gotta record tonight. Today's Wednesday. <laughs> it was a complete accident. I swear. I, like, uh, do you own the movie? Is it like? I do. I have the. Uh, I have the Blu-ray of it. No excuse. You have no excuse. I know. I know. I have no excuse. Because because if you did, if you'd known like me, it was certainly hard to find. It's like not. It's not rentable 
easily in many places. I had really? to really go out of my way. Yeah. I had to, like, on-demand it. Dang. Huh. Yeah. So, um, so when was the last time you watched this movie, Alex? So I have only seen this movie once. Um, I have seen bits and pieces of Rambo movies. The most, the most I know about Rambo and his movies is from Hot Shots Part D. If you, do you know what the Hot Shot movies are? Uh, I think I do. The ring a bell. Try, 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 try to tell me what they're about. They sound. It sounds like a Burt Reynolds movie with a car. I don't know. Interesting. That does sound like a Burt Reynolds movie with a car. I'm sure it is. Um, no, these are spoof movies. <laughs> oh, spoof. really? They star Charlie Sheen. <laughs> they are. Um, they are made by the guys who made Airplane and Police Squad. Uh, at least one of them, and it is, they are not bad, dude. Especially really? the second one. The second one is not bad, but the first movie is a spoof of Top Gun, straight up. Like, they made fun of Top Gun. And then the second movie, like Gun, like he lives with Buddhist monks, Nepal. And Hold on, dude, you're breaking up. And I know that. Just a second. You're breaking up, dude. Pause. But that's the only real, like, idea I ever had of what Rocky, or not Rocky, but Rambo, like, what Rambo was, or at least Rambo 3 was from that movie. And then I finally saw First Blood, like, eight years ago, something like that. I just was like, I have a book of cult movies that I'm trying to go through. I've been trying, like, through years to just take my time. Whenever I run across a movie and have a chance to watch it, I'll watch it and then cross it off on the book. And First Blood is in that book. And I saw it one day and I had the time and I turned it on. And like Mad Max before it, I was really shocked at how the first movie is really just kind of a pensive moral uh, character study about a person who's pushed too far and what happens when they're pushed too far. And when they are pushed too far, you get the birth of a cinematic icon. But basically, instead of seeing like the story continue like Bond, as it should in like most popular cinema they're basically saying this is how you you create these people it's not good it's actually pretty bad and then when they made the other rambo movies they just kind of tossed that aside (laughs) they did they definitely did yeah he's one of those guys and he's awesome and he's great and you need him right like they made a machine and now like they took away his humanity but also it's pretty like you need him to kill some people from time to time right like that's Rambo just totally poops all over what this movie is trying to say. But I remember watching it and being like, wow, like all this guy wanted to do was just like do his thing. Why are people giving him a hard time? And then you get to the end and it's like, well, regardless of why they did it, they shouldn't have done it because now he's insane and he's locked himself in a cave. <laughs> so, uh, you guys are dumb. And it just sort of like, it, it, it it's interesting because when he gets to that speech at the end, it's sort of in, unintelligible because it's Stallone. But also at the same time, it's just this sort of rambling, sort of explosion from somebody who hasn't had a chance to, to say what's going on in his head to anybody. And the only people that he really could ever try to don't trust him and don't like him and don't want him around. And it's terrible. He, he has been made this thing and all he wants to do is exist. And people won't even let him do that. And he keeps re- reverting back to it. It's 
it's become a staple uh, since then. And like a lot of like jokes and cartoons and stuff of the guy who, of the Vietnam vet, like freaking out from a, a flashback. But like this genuinely humanizes the character. It totally, it, it, it doesn't make you, it makes you root for him, but also it makes you sad that this is the person he is, especially when the guy who made him that just sort of comes in and takes him away. And you don't know what happens to him until you see the other movie, sure. But from that point on, it's like, oh my God, what are, what are they going to do? Are they just going to like let him go again? Or are they going to put him in jail? Is he, is he just going to be another machine somewhere? Like his humanity has gone and his options are gone too. And all he wants to do is live. So it's, I remember watching it being like, God, that is sad. And then knowing full well that when I did get to the other movies that I would just have a grand old time laughing at them pooping all over that message. Oh, whoops, my bad. Mainly because of Hot Shots Part 2. Mainly because of Hot Shots Part 2. If I, there's a part of me that feels like if I had watched First Blood and like, as an adult, as I did, understood its message, really liked it, and then got around to the other movies and was like, oh, well, they crapped all over it. I don't like them. But because I was raised on this movie that saw all the like humor in that idea and made fun of it on a silly cartoonish level, it makes me enjoy that these things exist separately. And it's sort of like Mad Max. Like Mad Max is the birth of a character who is extreme and awesome and cool as a visual, but like as a human, you have to lose your humanity to become that. And then they sort of take him on that route in the other movies but they're more about the world and how other people are trying not to become what he's become and his efforts to stop that too um rambo's just a guy that was turned into a killing machine and you feel bad about it until he kills more and you're like that's awesome (laughs) Uh, so um for me um it was, um, I watched the fourth movie a lot, and we'll get to that. Oh, boy, we'll get to that. Um, um, so, like, I think that ha- it's the first rated R movie that I remember seeing, because I, I remember bits and pieces of Blade in my childhood, but I can't piece it all together. Um, but I think it was, like, the first one, like, the fourth Rambo was, like, the first one that got, that, like, got me into, like, war movies and whatnot, and so, as I grew up, I became more enticed with the word, uh, context, so my dad's like, okay, maybe you should see the other Rambo movies, he goes off on people like that, uh, uh, like that, too. And, um, so I came across this movie. So this is the first, this is, so I went back and watched them all. And, um, at the time. And, like, this first movie was, like, my, as a kid, I'm like, this is surprisingly boring. And then the second and third one were just, like, this is, like, okay, this is what I was looking for. But then as I grew older and older, I watched this movie... Last I watched this was, like, last summer, I think. Um, and, like, it's really, like, like you said, it's, it's, to me it's bizarre. Like. How so? It's, like, this was around the time of, like, this was, like, this, this, Rambo came out, the, uh, First Blood came out the late 
seventies, I want to say, right? Was this before or after Rocky? I can't remember. Uh, First Blood came out in eighty-two. Ah, okay, First Blood, nineteen eighty-two. Okay, very, it's a very interesting point for Stallone. He has already made Rocky and Rocky Two and Rocky Three. In fact, this is the movie he made after Rocky Three, and then the movie he made after it was his directorial debut, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive, which is one of my favorite bad movies of all time. <laughs> Should we it put has that one of my favorite bad endings of all time. I remember the first time I watched that movie, and I got to that ending. I was I was on the floor on my back, laughing, just like uproariously. I was so, it's so amazing how bad that movie is. It's great. So... <laughs> This is, like, he made this, and then uh, he was he had already done Rocky Three. He was just on, right when he made First Blood, he was just on the point of becoming, like, the biggest star in the world. Because it, it would be a year before he um, would make his, would make Staying Alive. So from, like, 83 to 84, he could do whatever he wanted. And then 85 was his year. That's the year where, like, the second Rambo came out and Rocky Four came out. And if you've seen Rocky Four, you know how much like Coke and in like insane eighties he was in eighty five. Like oh, Stallone yeah. was the biggest thing in the world and his ego was huge. He was rich, he was like it was insane. So in eighty two, when First Blood came out, First Blood is the last legitimate performance he ever really gave. It was the last like legitimate serious it's the last legitimate thing he ever really made. And then after that, it was like all downhill 80s style. And then Arnie came along and they had a feud for a little bit. Um, Arnie, by that point, I think, had already came. I think oh. Terminator, I think the Terminator is 1979. Huh. Wow. I think the first Terminator came out the same decade as the first Star Wars is mind blowing, actually. Yeah, like Arnie got to That's that. That's bizarre. Arnie got to like those goofy action movies before Stallone did, especially with like Predator, because Predator I think happened around the time that First Blood did, and like Stallone had or Arnie had the like the build in the early '80s, but he started getting big in the mid '80s. Stallone started putting out most of his output in the late '80s. He was like off by three or four years. Now that I think about it, the more I think about First Blood, it kind of reminds me of the first John Wick with a little more morality. Dude, I was totally going to say that because, like, they're not – the thing about John Wick is it doesn't hide behind its exploitation. It's very simple. It has a good character reason for it. But legit, like, he kills his puppy. Why does he kill his puppy? It's really a grief dog for his wife dying of cancer. But, like, even in the trailer for the new movie, they're like, all of this over a puppy. They understand, like, the exploitation of what they're doing. In this movie, though, they're exploiting an idea, but that idea is still, it's still getting handled with a lot of humanity. I mean, it's it's basically a story about a soldier that goes insane, a Vietnam like vet that goes insane, and we enjoy his antics as the police try and stop him. But we also know deep down, like, this is a pretty sad thing that is happening with people. They're not going around killing other people, but they are, like, sitting in their bathrooms, crapping themselves because they can't 
get out of this mental prison they've created for themselves because no one knew what post-traumatic stress disorder was then. So there's, there's a legitimate kernel of thematic element here that they're handling with a sense of humanity because Stallone isn't going around going like, I used to kill people all the time. I was a soldier. No, like he's a quiet guy, doesn't say much, just trying to live his life. They push him to that edge. Like they push him there. That's the thing that makes it exploitative. It's like a rape revenge story. Like you have to make the bad guys really bad for the earnest nature of going, well, what, what, what is rape? What is a rape victim? What is a rapist? And what is justice in that idea? In this system, it's like all of these cops and all these small people are giving him a hard time and pushing him to this edge so that we can enjoy watching it towards the end. So it's sort of like um, Split. Split kind of uses, to a certain extent, mental uh, disorder and split personality and schizophrenia to tell a story. But it also has a good kernel of, of like thematic truth there by saying that empathy is... A, a surviving element of victimization. If you are a victim, it can help you understand and empathize with others more, and that could be a weapon against someone who continues to try and threaten that idea. And that's there, but you kind of got to exploit schizophrenia a bit and say that people with schizophrenia can maybe climb on walls and turn into monsters. And it's it's sort of the same thing here. Like, yeah, you, like Vietnam vets were coming home and getting a lot of crap and like food thrown at them and they couldn't get jobs because people thought they were like killing kids and stuff because of the news and everything. But none of them like flipped out and did this because none of them were like special ops, hitmen, professional, like killers the way that Rambo is supposed to be. That's why it's entertaining for us to watch him lodge himself in a cave and murder people in all these amazing ways. Yes, they deserve it. Yes, it's fun to watch. And yes, it sucks. He lost his humanity. Even if he makes this kind of silly, fun, uh, Stallone speech at the end. And it's funny because he's Stallone and he's trying to act. But at, at the end of the day, it's like, look how cool this soldier was. They pushed his buttons and now we can see him go crazy. But they are also saying that, like, Vietnam vets are people. They just want to come home and live their lives. You can't judge them based off a headline you saw on news the night before about a war you weren't there for. So shut up. So, like, obviously I think this movie, I think this movie is probably, uh, (laughs) from every sense of the word, it's it's better, it's like the the best of this Rambo saga, pending Rambo 5, whenever that's coming out, I forget. It's, there's no way. (laughs) No way. Unless the point of Rambo 5 is that Rambo, like, believes in peace and there's a soldier that's going insane and it's Rambo's job to try and, like, stop him, like, that would be interesting. That would be great. I would love that. Stallone can act now and I'd love to see him, like, present himself in the same situation with somebody else. Make him either the guy that saves him at the end or make him, to a certain extent, be the Brian Dennehy and, like, try and, like, he knows he has to stop him and he also knows, like, the power of, like, the situation at hand so he's so terrified he may go to extremes himself but maybe there's a bigger boss man and they both come together at the end but my uh, that would be great if the elements of like the thematics of the first movie came in again but they're not but they didn't in four and they're not going to like he's a hardcore republican now like forget it (laughs) just (laughs) no uh it's probably just going to be another Stallone helps somebody who needs help and he just sort of begrudgingly does it and then becomes the hero at the end. And that's fine. That's what Rainbow has become. 
and yeah, and it's not like Rocky is the best of all the Rockies. And then the last few films have actually been kind of up to that Rocky tier again. But this is kind of, this is sort of that same situation, but light, like, like first blood is a, is a good movie with something to say that is also entertaining to watch. It takes itself seriously, but not too seriously. And it's also not like a big action movie. It's, it's as much a thriller as it is an action movie. It, it was a book before a movie, and it really sticks to that book narrative structure of escalating things to a certain point where the action is mostly at the end, and everything that's happening is a build. You're building to this. It's like a, a crescendo. And the other movies are like, nope, here's the setup. He is an action star, and we're going to have him do action scene, action scene, action scene, character be action scene, whatever. No, the first movie's like, you don't know who this guy is. And we're going to have these people push his buttons so that the worst side of him comes out. So he is, he's like a flower unfolding in that first movie to this explosive end. In the other movies, he's just full out like an action star. Right. And they have good sense. I don't think they're going to. It's like Mad Max. I, think, I just think Mad Max did it better. So like... Um... So, uh, where, do, where, where do we start, Alex? Where do you want to start? Well, it was, we start breaking it was this a before movie, so this idea of like the Viet, of how Vietnam vets are coming home being realized, because the war, um, I believe the war had ended only seven years before, and so the stigma of what that idea was had been around long enough for like a good book to gestate from it, and... It, it's sort of being turned into this movie was um, sort of happenstance. It, it was considered an independent kind of low budget movie for its time. And it wasn't trying to define any terms of what an action movie was. It was just going by what the book was. Um, and it, that's kind of like what happened for Die Hard. Die Hard was a book before it was a movie. It was actually a series of books uh, about one guy. And the the point of Die Hard is that it sort of escalates and escalates and gets worse and worse and more harrowing for the guy. And that's how the narrative structure works. It doesn't always work well in action movies these days. These days it's like set piece or whatever, but that's how action movies were then. They weren't really action movies. They didn't really get born until around this time. And they certainly didn't get amped up until like Commando and stuff like that. Even Predator is a very slow moving movie. And that's one of the defining 80s action films that sort of helped birth what the 90s were and define what the rhythms are now but this was the idea they were about slow builds to big action set pieces it's about uh, this invisible alien freaking out these soldiers and killing them one by one until this big great epic showdown of like a human covering himself in mud and that's that's a suspense driven climax to the movie which is entirely separate from like what it was before but that's how these action films were being looked at. They were stories with characters being built to a head. And then when the head happened, that that's what action movies are now. Like, that's all they are now. That's what Rambo is. It, it, it's a movie that builds to a certain end, and then the other movies are just nothing but the end. I think the thing that gets me, that gets me about this movie is, like, we don't, like, we're introduced to... Rambo when he's walking down the highway um, just trying to look for a place to eat essentially and um, like he's looking for his friend turns out his friend's dead uh, what was it Valley Fever no it wasn't that I don't know what he died it from was not, 
It was some illness, yeah. It was some illness from the... I think he got from the war. Um, so then he, then he goes into town looking for a place to eat. Then the sheriff th- stops him. Can I just say that Brian Dennehy looks like Vincent D'Onofrio just a little bit? He, he Yeah, he does a little bit. For, for a lot of people my age, he will always be Tommy Boy's father. And we kind of just sort of see him as that jolly guy. I see. But yeah, he had a good he had a good career in the seventies. Um, but I don't know. I, I always thought of him as like, uh, and you wouldn't know this guy so much, but I always saw him saw him as like a more, um, like a, a more proper speaking uh, Midwestern Edward James almost. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not Edward James almost. Um, G, Edward G. Robinson, uh, the guy who would be like, man, she man. Ah. Like so if you take that, that away <laughs> and like put him in colored movies, that's kind of what Brian Dennehy looks like. Um. So like, like and, a walking early Simpsons cartoon. So like, the extent of the damage he causes after being mistreated at the police station, and all that, like, it all comes across as nonsensical. Like, he empties, like, like, okay, like, like, follow my thought pattern for a second. He empties the entire town, but, and that seems ridiculous, but you're talking about one guy who the police can't handle, nor can the National Guard even handle. And so, like, of course the town's going to be completely empty when he blows up a gas station and lights up the, uh, and steal and steals ammo from the gun house and lights up the police station. Of course. And if, then if, if I may, it just sort of points to the fact that like, this is a small town. This right. town is so small that they don't want to, that they treat this outsider like crap, but it's also so small that they can evacuate when that outsider goes insane. Right. And we don't get until after he's in the police station, getting ready to kill every single one of the, officers and National Guardsmen outside that we really get the full context of what it is and that's when the that's when kind of its theme and message hit home the most and I could kind of appreciate it it's just like and then it goes to show that this is one of I think this is a Stallone performance at least in my opinion, because everybody talks about how he's Rocky now, so I pe- think people have forgotten how good he was in the first Rambo. Because I thought he was pretty darn good in First he's Blood. Sort of, he's sort of like he's sort of like Ryan Gosling in Drive. He doesn't say much when he does; it's powerful until he makes his speech at the end, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, Sylvester, you you're not about monologues. You should. You're not a good like." Unless you're Rocky, and the thing about Rocky is the charming nature of like how dumb he is when he talks. It's like it's the pitter patter of a nice dumb guy talking to you. That's like it. He's just so pleasant, and so happy to be alive, despite the fact that he fights for a living. That you don't mind that he's still talking, especially when his girlfriend just doesn't say anything. They're a good pair, and they work. In this movie, he's like a stoic guy with problems, and he doesn't want to like. He doesn't want to be bothered. And it makes sense until that monologue at the end was like yelling and freaking out. And you realize, oh, he's not an intense, emotional kind of actor. Oh, sorry, Stallone. That's like, it's it sucks, but he has done better performances since then. Mm-hmm. But it was like, this was the last one. 
then he started doing like Rhinestone with Dolly Parton and then the action movie started coming then it was like Tango and Cash it wouldn't be until like 96 when he was done making movies like Daylight and Cliffhanger where they were like speed but on a mountain or in a tunnel that's collapsed he did Copland Copland's a really good movie and he's really good in it and there's a lot of really good people in it like Robert De Niro it's a really good movie um, and he started like getting a couple other parts like Kit Carter is not a bad movie but it's, it's a step away and he gets to act a little bit in it and then Rocky Balboa happened and he made it happen he made Rocky Balboa on his own terms and yes he's Rocky now but like his step into the action world with the Expendables has just mostly been like I've got all my favorite friends around you've got all your favorite action figures here let's all play and that's fine but on action movie terms I feel like he's phoning it in more than he is with the Rocky movies. And with Rambo 4, I never saw it. All I know is that it was pretty bloody. So, oh, dude, you don't even I, know. I think like he's the one who turned Rocky into an action hero. He's the one who dictated the character go that route. This movie, he didn't dictate the vision. He was just part of the character. He, like, he worked on the character, sure, and how the performance worked, but it's not... The vision of the movie is not mostly his. It was from the book, from the writer, from the director, and the producer to a certain extent. But the, when the other movies came along, he had the money to step in as, a, as executive producer and be like, well, why don't we just make a whole movie like the end of the last one? Like, he's this kind of guy, and it sucks that he was turned into this machine. Why don't we use the machine for good, like a superhero? And that's how they turn him. They just turn Rambo into a superhero. People argue about like superhero movies, but like that's what Rambo is. That's what the Terminator is. They're just comic rules in different genres. Well, for whatever reason, I actually fell for his monologue at the end. I actually liked it. I liked how I, think I, it, I, I did like how he delivered it. I I, I genuinely do. I I he. It, it, it works because he's just kind of he's the intensity works I believe the intensity of the moment you're right but right right you can't, you can't really make out all of what he's saying and all of what he's saying is also kind of re, he's he repeats himself a couple times and it's not like it's part of the script like they just said Stallone talk like this is your moment Stallone just you know say what you want this is the explosive this is your character and he did work on the character a bit so he had some ideas of what he was and they said Stallone make up what you want this is your moment take it and it's it doesn't hit as well as one might it's exactly like arnie doesn't have moments like that like arnie doesn't have huge explosive gigantic monologues he just doesn't he has like one or two lines and then he like is good like stallone stallone is rocky works but stallone as like a human being traumatized it's not necessarily as compelling because you can't can't make out half of what he's saying. And that's a problem. Yeah, and I get that. But um. But it, like I said, it's the last. It's a good performance. He is very right. good in the movie, both on an action side and also just as the character. I believe him as the character. I believe John Rambo as a person in the first movie, and it, and it is his last legitimate movie, at, like as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the kind, it's it literally, it is the kind of stuff that Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves and Liam Neeson have been doing. They are like, they're just men trying to do their thing until a situation drags them back into it again. 
and then they become fighters and action stars. But like they didn't want it, and here they are again. Um, like, man, it's just this whole like the whole like throughout the um. So like the movie like. Um, lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like eleven at night. Um, it's interesting to me because this movie is the one that like focuses the most on the character and who he is and like right. what brought him to this moment. It's not a lot, but it is enough for us to like chew about the idea of the movie because the movie as a story is really simple. John comes to this town. He's a Vietnam vet. The town doesn't like Vietnam vets. They hassle him for it. And it turns out that he was the wrong Vietnam vet to hassle. He actually has passed. And that past is what drives him to go insane. He destroys the town. The guy who made him, the monster he is, comes in, grabs him, and takes him away. That's it. It's like, this guy destroys the town because the town treated him like an asshole. And that's because he just, it's a, it's, it's really kind of funny. It's like, yeah. Action <laughs> destroys a town full of dicks. <laughs> um, uh, that's all the story is. It's a right. building the building uh, uh, like it's the building conflict between him and this town and this town just not understanding that you shouldn't mess with this guy and then it builds to a head and then he like he he decompresses to his boss and then they leave that's it like when you compare it to the other movies he's actually doing something to help people he has a plot and a mission in this film he's just trying to live people pushed him too hard and then he goes home we don't see who pays for the damages we don't see like the consequence of his actions we just see the guy who made him slowly take him away and you feel bad for him as a human being sure because he got pushed to that level but that's all the story is so sitting here talking about like rambo as a person makes a lot more sense when we get to the other movies i'm assuming it's going to devolve into us just kind of being like i can't believe he did that that was really stupid <laughs> it, it most certainly will so let's enjoy, we should enjoy this while we can and i'm telling you dude it certainly will devolve um, I mean, you know, like, there's some really great things about the movie just as like a small little piece of late I consider it late 70s filmmaking it is technically early 80s but it has all the elements of like the 70s the, the score is really good I think right. it's very atmospheric and moody I love the way the town is shot like the smoke uh, the, the fog behind trees all the trees look great by the yeah. way um, I, I, I like a lot of the editing and I just like how the movie builds to a certain point It is. it really is just like uh, uh, everyone is hitting like very well everyone's doing really well um, yeah. and they're all everyone who made it was like late 70s uh, masters at their work people who had worked with all the like Spielberg and Scorsese and people like that and built their own careers being very good at what they did and they made a solid movie that in and of itself with like two other movies defined what action movies would be for then on it's like, as, yeah. as well as having something to say about its character. And it, it, that's why Mad Max is really interesting. That did that purposefully. This film just kind of did it. It just wanted to tell a story. And Stallone was like, no, 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 no. This guy's awesome. He should kill bad guys, like real bad guys. Like, like, let's have him fight people with like who are of his par. Like, turn yeah. him into an action star. And that's what happens. And... To me, it's like shades of this kind of filmmaking are resonant, like, today. Whereas, like, in First Blood, there's a lot of 
there's not a lot of crazy movement with the camera. Um, there's a lot of just, like, static pans, and they don't really use handheld all that much, um, as much as they do today. I've, you want to talk about Devolve, we've devolved as, because <laughs> the, we've, we've devolved technically until, like, we had Chad Stahelski and, uh, Christopher McQuarrie come and teach us how real action is shot. Um, uh- I would also well, before that, before that, I mean, to me, that's those are the two that come off the top of my head. I'm sure there are more people who came along and like, no, this is how action shot, and we learned the wrong lessons from them. I would say in the '80s, um, there are t- the there are two people that sort of defined what action would be for the next at least 15 years. That was um, Richard Donner and John McTiernan. I knew John McTiernan, Die Hard, and um, Donner's Predator are the two movies that defined how action movies would run, especially with Jan Debont behind the camera in Die Hard. The look mm-hmm. of Die Hard is what defined how a lot of like slick action movies would look, all the way up to Heat. So, like that- and that's the thing, like that that boring nature you saw as a kid, that peaceful element, um, and those long stoic shots in First Blood, that is. That, that's who John Rambo is supposed to be. He's supposed to be like this peaceful guy walking around doing his own thing. And then the movie gets more hectic because that's what happens when he turns that rage. But like he, the movie is supposed to, at the beginning, represent who he is and the peacefulness that this town is disrupting. John's naturally a peaceful guy. But if you push him too far, then his training kicks in and uh, your entire police force is going to get like murdered. I also want to talk about another aspect of this film that's very nostalgic for me, and that's yeah. and that's the the. Remember when I said way back when I first started the show, back when um for Return of the Jedi. Um, how I said, um, Hans um, Harrison Ford's performance as Han Solo was a key point was a uh, highlight for me for that movie. Remember that? Yeah. Um, Richard Crenna as, as, um, ah, oh, dear God, I feel so bad. I forgot the, I forgot his character's name. Oh my God. Troutman. Oh my God. Okay. So his, his, his performance as Troutman is, was always a highlight for me and my dad. Cause the lines that they gave him were like, we're super, we're like super good. Like he's like the so Brian Dennehy uh, confronts him after they learned that he stole a he stole an armored truck, and he's like he's like you knew you like you knew he survived you knew he survived didn't you? And then he's like, and then Richard Crenn is like, I sus I suspected. <laughs> yeah. That's always that's so nostalgic, man. I'm telling you, I I I, I liked Richard Crenna as Trotman. Like he pl- he he plays off of he plays off the um he plays off the 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 Colonel gimmick really well, I think. Um, and his and his lines are pretty darn good. <laughs> Some of his lines are pretty good. Um, yeah, it's not surprising that he ends up. 
He he is. He's really fun. It, it, well, he is. I get, technically in this movie, he's the Frankenstein to Frankenstein's monster. So he is, to a certain respect, just as much the villain. But as the series goes on, he's like the father figure, which is super right. weird. Here's another line. I don't think you understand. I didn't come to rescue Rambo from you. I came here to rescue you from him. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, he's like um, Vigo from uh, from John Wick. We're gonna compare this movie to John Wick a lot. I think he's like Vigo from Vigo's monologue from John Wick. That's what that reminds me of. It's just no, like, like a lot. Of, a lot of what the Rambo is is very. It, it is very much the big thing now. Like that, the structure of what Rambo is has come back with like John Wick and like Liam Neeson and Taken and all those movies. Like they are pretty much what Rambo is. But the problem with Rambo that's different than all the other ones is this movie. This movie brings Troutman. And Troutman is like that same character from John Wick, but also, again, he created Rambo. Rambo right. just wants to live life. He never wanted to be this guy, and now he is. And then the other movies come along and they just sort of say, well, let's make him a hero, and Troutman's the father figure. And it's like, no, you turned this very peaceful man into a murderer, and you should feel bad about that, especially when all of these people don't really care about what he went through in the first place, and he murders them for their discontent as well. And then, you, and then he goes on to be a hero, which is just hilarious. Like, here's one, here's one more. I'm sorry. <laughs> His lines are so good. So, it's like, Teasel's like, are you telling me that 200 of our men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? Troutman says, you send that many, don't forget one thing. What? A good supply of body bags. Ah! I love Troutman. Even though he's like, this... You bring up a good point. Like, this movie... Like, that dynamic between, like... They... Like, he created Rambo. In a sense. He put that trigger... In his head... Essentially, um, or it was, I'll have to think about that. Um, don't hold me to that. Um, uh-huh. so like, he created what would be Rambo, um, this robotic killing machine, this human robot, um, who's trying to, like, yeah, it it is. It actually is kind of funny that he would be the one to bring him back, and that ending does leave a lot of ambiguity. Um, until the next movie, where he actually is in prison. Um, exactly. So, yeah, like, tech, like technically, this movie, um, this movie does hold up technically. I mean, on the Blu-ray. There's a few audio dubs that don't care that don't match very well. Um, but besides that, I think this movie, like you said, like a lot of elements that this movie used have come back today, everything from like character concept to like... Um, to camera work and all that, even though 
like you said, McTiernan and um, son of a biscuit. Oh yeah, Richard Donner. Like some of what some of the things they used would revolutionize that and end up being what we see today. Yeah, this director kind of just went on to make Weekend at Bernie's and sort of disappeared before the golden age of television. He retired. made Weekend at Bernie's after this? I know. Wow! Uh, so, the thing about that idea that I think find really interesting is it seems to me like movies today like John Wick and Taken and Equalizer and all that, I feel like they have taken the, the structural <laughs> narrative of like Rambo 2 and 3 and 4 but they've they or they've taken the, like the the story elements of that and the character stuff, but they've now taken the structure and the narrative of the first film. So all these films are like they're slow builds to action set pieces, but the the stuff in between the set pieces are about like the the humanity of these killers and the humanities of these hitmen, and that's the stuff that like First Blood is all about until he gets pushed to the point where he has to kill everyone. The other movies they kind of do away with that and they just make him a killer and an action star. And the movies today kind of combine the best elements of both of those ideas to make um, a more modern action film. It makes us care about people like him while at the same time wanting him to kill more people. We feel bad that John Wick tried to get out of the game and his wife is dead and his dog is dead, but we love it when he shoots people in the head. Right. Um... It, like that's both that's basically Rambo two and First Blood put together. Um, in Rambo two, right? Um, so yeah, this. So yeah, like we said, this is a uh, this is a very like character driven low-budget action piece and this would spawn three more films the third and fourth being about 15 20 years apart and this would create a action movie icon either for better or worse we're about to find out um i think rambo and rocky and the Expendables, especially now, are prime examples of what make a Stallone a continued like movie star. He he saw with like when Rocky did well, he knew he could carry that character to other movies. The fact that he's carried it through so many films and evolved him both through style and character is amazing. It shows what he can do. But then Rambo's amazing because he's like, oh. I see this character, and I saw that this movie is really well done. It has great themes. I think you guys made a really great movie, but I'm just going to take this character and do something with him real quick. And it's, of course, the more popular thing. It's like the more cool thing. He really does. Like I do think that Stallone is a great movie star and a great producer and knows how to like take an idea and make it like perfect this, to a certain extent. But he's not always great. I think it's worked three times very well for him. And I can see him pulling up maybe one more rabbit out of his hat before he's done. But I don't know if it's going to be Rambo 5. Uh, I don't think so. But no, I don't think so be, either. I'm just saying. He's very smart. Like, he understood that Rambo could be taken into another direction, earnest, like, not earnestly, but in, like, another format, 
and he took him, made him an action star, and just basically made him a cartoon to a certain extent. And that's both good and bad. Like, you can watch those movies and enjoy them, sure, but you can't watch them and be like, they're from the same universe as First Blood. They're not. First Blood is the Logan to the Rambo movies. That's it. Good, it's a lo- good it's a lo- analogy. Good analogy. That like is that's a- what Mad Max is. Mad Max is like a prequel Logan to the Mad Max movies, but this one more so than any of them. This is like, this is like taking the character that would be a cartoon later and like humanizing him and making what he's going through terrible but also we get to indulge in that a little bit and that's like yeah dude first blood is a prequel logan to all the other rambo movies so right and so okay let's get to grading this thing um i mean from well before i say that like for me like i said um, I see a lot of this movie, like I said, I see a lot of this movie in action movies today, mostly because I haven't seen a lot of McTiernan or Donner outside of Lethal Weapon. Um, so, like, um, so, so it's like... Now that I remember this movie, it's just like, gosh, I see a lot of John Wick, and technically I see, like, Mission Impossible, like the Macquarie ones, if, at least, in 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 this movie. Like, me personally, like, I haven't opened my head yet. Um, haven't explored yet. But, like, yeah, so, okay, like... Let's see. Um, for pure, from how surprisingly like, for me at the time and now it's like a, it's a solid character piece that holds up well today. Um, still, uh, it's performed well. It's even, it's even like. Even the the action set pieces are really fun, and like you said, the score is good and it's used well. I'm gonna go B or B plus. So I think everything you said is is totally true, and I agree with all of it. Um, I would say the two things that maybe make this thing memorable or probably stand out the most would be. Stallone for sure. Stallone right. just like has a presence about him. It works. I think he. I think he's really good in this as like a movie star. Yeah. Um. And I and like he's a lot of why Rambo's good in the other movies too. Just like he is. He's a movie star. Uh. And I would say the direction is okay. It's certainly palatable. It's not fancy and it's not showy, but it's also not trying to push. I don't think he's challenging himself as a director too much. Yeah. Um. And I think the score, as good as it is, it doesn't stand out that much. Just a really nice score, and I think really fits the mood and, and the look of the film. I think everyone is like pulling their A game, but I also don't think everyone is just like... I don't think altogether it stands out as a whole on a visual medium. So What stands out the most is the script. Yeah, like, I'd everyone, say, yeah. everyone is okay. The most stand-out person is Stallone, but everyone else... 
is is elevated because they're all functioning properly to tell this actually genuinely good story and genuinely good script. Right. Like it's just it's really simple elements applied properly and everything builds properly. And it's just the reason that the those like slow build elements are a thing today is because it's a solid story with a solid pace and people are starting to realize that now. You can tell you can make a movie that has set pieces in the middle of it, but if you have character development that's paced properly, it, it makes it a meteor sandwich. And that's why the best of the ones that are coming out today are either like John Wick or Atomic Blonde or something like that. Like they just bring something character wise in between the action set pieces that are building to something better. And I think that's what stands out the most outside of Stallone is the script for sure. I would say B plus. Yeah, if I had to pick it's one, it's probably B plus. Yeah, it's not an A. It's not like Rocky. Rocky's like at the very least an A. Like you can make an argument to me like that nothing happens up until the fight, and right before the fight he has this really interesting character moment, and then the fight happens and you like are going for him because there are great things about how that fight was portrayed and technically and all that stuff, but. You can make an argument to me that it's kind of boring and kind of stupid and nothing happens, but I think you're missing the point of the movie. And Definitely. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, but to, to me, it's an A, at the very least. Rambo, on the other hand, or First Blood, on the other hand, it, it, there, are, there are things that could elevate it even more. I think for now, it's like a perfect hangover movie. Perfect hangover movie. You wake up, it's Saturday... You are like, you partied the night before, or you worked the night before, you're super tired, you did not have to wake up to an alarm, you just woke up, turned on your TV, and this movie shows up, and you're like, oh wow, okay, this is pretty peaceful, Stallone's walking around looking for his friend, wow, those cops are giving him a hard time, they shouldn't do that, wow, they're really big, oh my god, what's going on right now, oh my god, he's in a cave, oh my gosh, and then by the end you're like, okay, I want to watch more, alright, let's go, and you've started your day. Right. So, uh, I think the more, the more you watch movies, the more you appreciate that build. But you and I are, were kind of in that same boat when we first saw it. We were like, why is this so slow? Why is this weird? But then you get, as the other movies come by, why that's, why that's actually something you should cherish. Yeah. So, I think, first I think it works better here than Mad Max, but I think Mad Max is more charming and has better sequels. Right. But I also haven't seen the four rainbows, so what do I know? I've only seen the four Mad Maxes. This is so exciting. I, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Um, First Blood. So uh, it's a it's a good watch. Uh, you should give it a shot if you like. Um, it's it's like. got more meat to it. If you think that Rambo is just a series of dumb movies, some of them are. But the first one is actually a genuinely good film it has meat to it it has stuff you can think about it has a character that you can care about um as well as action and a few other 70s things that are just really pleasant about watching a 70s movie but it's better than there's more meat to it than people give it credit for i don't know how the other movies are going to like peel away that meat but the it's it's got some heart to it it's got something to say yeah so um yeah first blood it uh, goes downhill really quickly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm excited. So, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so excited. Like, with most of the options on this wheel, 
either all of us have seen the movies or just you and Zach have seen the movies and I haven't. This is one of the options where I've seen all of them and you guys have seen little to none of them. Yeah, I have a general idea of what Rainbow is, but I also, having not seen the films, I don't know. I don't know how crazy they get. I don't know, like, because I know three is the pinnacle of 80s. I know that. I know two and, like, two and three are that. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see, like, two, I think, is probably going to be the funniest for me. I feel like that's going to, like, really poop on everything that was set up here. And then the third movie, I think I'm just going to enjoy for the stupidity of it. And then the fourth one, I'm genuinely intrigued about what he thought what this character would represent in 2000, like, what, six? 2007. Pretty much, yeah. Like, what did that... That's right in the middle of the deepest, most guttural uh, artistic reactions to both 9-11 and the Bush years, especially the Bush years. So I'm interested to see what he... Because uh, he had something to say, because he had just made Balboa and everyone really loved it, and he was bringing back Rambo, and Rambo is such an extreme difference from Rocky that I'm excited. I am excited. These are fun. Like yeah. I know these movies are dumb and fun. I'm not, like, dreading it. These look like really fun, dumb movies. Right. So, like, with First Blood, you get an introduction to John Rambo, but, like, okay, this next one, Rambo, First Blood, Part 2... Is when he becomes Rambo. <laughs> the title's so dumb. Rambo First Blood Part Two. It is. It's one of the dumbest titles ever. Um. So. Like. Um. Yeah. Uh, you may. For me, if I were to, if I were to say anything, I. It's it looks good, but it's the movie that made the Rambo that everybody knows today and started that oh, yeah. trend. So I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. So uh, yeah, there you go. So next episode we'll get Zach's thoughts on uh, First Blood, and then we'll get into Rambo First Blood Part Two. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm hoping he. Um we'll have some time to give him some thoughts about the first one so that he can step into the second one. Yeah, maybe instead of us arguing about Robert Pattinson, I should probably... I should have recorded his thoughts on the movie. That probably would have been a good bet, but at the same time, I, I'm glad he made the argument. I'm sad that you guys fought. Uh, and but at the same time, he's I, I agree with him. I think Pattinson was an interesting choice who's proved he may uh, produce something. All I wanted was to wait and see. That's all I wanted to do. But okay. Well, you don't have to because Good Time is out and it's right. very good. Okay. I meant under a triple A setting is what I'm saying. It's just People should see Good Time. Not a lot of people did. I thought it was really good. Okay. So uh, there you go, everybody. So one of four done on this new amazing... I'm so glad that we'll spun this. I Finally, I'm on the... I, oh, man. Woo-hoo-hoo. I feel like we dug pretty deep into this one for oh, how yeah. kind of simple the story is, but uh, I'm excited to just talk about people dying now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, please I'm don't take that out of like, context, everybody. Don't take that out of like, context. I, I care about this guy. That's the most that I know about it as a film character, having seen his movies. Like, having only seen First Blood all the way through, 
I care about this guy and what they're going to do with him. <laughs> I actually genuinely <laughs> want Rambo to live a good life, and I know he doesn't, so <laughs> not an easygoing life. Uh, and then, of course, the Hotshot movies. The, are, the Hotshot movies mostly make fun of the third one, so I'm going to have like a lot of reference points for that. So the, I'm mostly excited for the second one. That seems like they do a 180 from what he is now, and yep. they create what he will be later. And th- three just seems like a little too cartoony to me. Like he just murders like and thousands it, of people. It doesn't Whereas, age well. Trust me, it doesn't age well. Oh no! Fights for the Taliban. Come yeah. On. <laughs> Um, no, three is going to be an interesting talk because there are problems with three. Whereas two, two seems like the right. Two seems like the sweet spot. It was made the same year as Rocky Four, so I'm like, that seems like the best one. So, uh, yeah, next time, uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. I love saying that title. <laughs> it's such a bad uh, title. Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Okay, here we go. So. Off we go into this uh, bloody harrowing adventure. (laughs) Alright, goodbye guys. Say goodbye, Alex. Later, dude.